What I want to talk to you today is about, if there's a fancy title, not that it's very fancy, but moving from a consumer to an investor. And uh, I, I just feel like my life, which is now getting on a little bit, not just starting out, no, I'm being careful, but that's just how it is. I have had the privilege of walking with Jesus for quite a long time now, and uh, it, it just, I just feel like every day feels like a new day and a fresh, deeper chapter of where we're going and what we're doing. And uh, so really today I'm here just to share a little bit of my story of what it looks like to be me carrying the way that God has made me to be me in this apostolic environment. Um, I've always been a bit uncomfortable with labels, I don't know about you, um, Part of me thinks that if you need a label, yeah. what does that say? Yeah, yeah. Um, when I was young, um, I was a nurse, and the young junior doctors were always very keen that you use their title. They'd gone from students and working very, very hard, and they were always very keen that it was Dr. Treadgold. <laughs> <laughs> I can use that one, see? Um, now, that's not a bad thing, but it's because they need something. They deserve that honor, and they deserve the respect and that title, especially in the early days, because they need to be encouraged and strengthened in their identity to be what they've called to be. Yeah. And so labels can be a little bit helpful, but sometimes they can be unhelpful and misleading. And for me, I have found it pretty difficult over the years. Um, but in this heaven-to-earth environment, things are very different for me. But in the old environment, which was very much earth-to-heaven, a label of pastoral really felt wrong, really felt uncomfortable for me, because really, I know me. I'm not all that nice. And that pastoral title never seemed to fit too well. It used to speak to me of um, being very performance-based, um, which was really not life to me or anybody else. And it often created an unholy dependence both ways, um, which wasn't healthy and wasn't right. And it, was an, it set an off, often a wrong responsibility axis that a pastoral gift in a church family was responsible for everybody else's well-being. In some way, anyone with a pastoral gift is responsible for making you okay. I'm really sorry. It isn't like that. Um, so... I used to find that the earthly model was always based on human knowledge, on human wisdom, with no real room for the Holy Spirit involvement and no room for him to do what he does best. Um, so I am really loving the season that we are in and doing what we're doing these days. So I just want to share a little bit about that and what motivates that. Um, it's very different. Labels is very different to being secure in your identity in who and whose you are. It's very, very different. And I just want to take this opportunity to honor Nick, who's my husband, and Andy, who is the spiritual father in this house, and Pete Carter particularly. And there are many of those of you in here who are spiritual fathers that I have felt the benefit of what you carry, aiming at me, not wanting to name... I'd love to name everybody, but there is just something in honor honoring what you've been received and, know, and seeing it and recognizing it. Um, so thank you to all of you, actually. 
What I have learned and what I'm continuing to learn how to outwork is that everything begins and ends in relationship. In relationship. It's the same on earth as it is in heaven because relationship is what heaven is all about. And um, our time on this earth is an opportunity for something magnificent to be demonstrated. And I just want to say to you, all of you, every single one of you, this is your time. Your time on this earth is your time. Um, nobody ever said um, on their deathbed, I wish I'd spent more time of the, at the office. It's a very famous quote. And when I was a, a nurse, um, I saw many things and it taught me many things. And I'd learned that at the end of life, there is either a celebration or a lament that goes on in those final days. And the big question that a lot of people, most people are asking is, have I lived and have I loved well? It's not how successful I was. It wasn't what did I accomplish. The question always is, have I lived and have I loved well? And that's often demonstrated by the deep desire to have the family and loved ones, the relationships that have really been core to you around your bed as you pass from one life to another. So um, I have that very big focus in the very front of my mind. Some of you may have heard of Heidi Baker, who is a lady that I... She's amazing. It's just great to have old, older people in older times who did amazing things for God. But she believes that God is calling a generation forward to be laid down lovers for him, to walk in the ways that he walked and to follow his Sermon on the Mount as their instructions for their Christian walk. Laid out lovers for him to walk on the earth. That's you. That's all of you. That's all of you. That's everybody. Regardless of what gifting God's put in you, that's you. All of you. You are one lean, mean fighting machine for the kingdom of heaven, I tell you. So, um, so Heidi, having moved from Mozambique in 95, they gave away everything they had. And they really have learned how to depend on God for absolutely everything. Um, everything. And she says that if God doesn't show up, we're dead. And that is the people in Iraq right now. That's people who are living in the extreme situations. And we are sat in different circumstances. But the truth is, we are all called to live our daily life where if God doesn't show up, I'm done. Now, I am prophetic pastoral mix interesting life and that is it is great <laughs> I found it some so thanks sometimes challenging um, but uh, before we really get cracking I just want to let you know about uh, let you into a little conversation I was having God with God last week in the worship okay and uh, he was going a little bit like this these are questions I already knew th the answers to but it doesn't stop me asking it seems so I was asking God okay what am I doing here to which he said you're here to worship me with those that you're doing life with, Jan, remember? It's that Hebrews 10 thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, Father, what is this all about? And he said, this is about your identity as the daughter of the Father who's equipped me to bring heaven to earth. Yeah, I know that. And who are all these people, God? Who are all these people? That'd be you. And uh, he said, these are the people who are a mixture of the Hope family and your Sunday visitors. Oh, okay. That's fine. 
So how on earth, Father, did I get here? It's really basic questions sometimes, isn't it? How did I get here? Jan, you've been following me for a long time. How can you possibly have forgotten how you got here, you dafty? Because he, he talks to me in a language that I'm quite familiar with. So, And then I started to say about you lot, well, how did they get here? And he said, they're following me too. Oh, right, okay. And what are they doing here? And what are we doing here? Well, you seem to be telling me that you love me and you want more of me, right? Uh, yes, that'd be right. So, Father, now to the real question. <laughs> what do you want me to share with my family next week? What on earth can I give them? And he just said, Jan, come right here and look into my eyes again here. And it was simple as that. And so from there, the circle of conversation was complete. And I got down to the business of giving him my affection and my worship. And I started looking into his eyes and hearing him and choosing not of falling into very well-laid plans and old habits of a lifetime and started to lean into him and pour out of what he was giving me in that moment and to trust him. So if I tell you that there has been no time to prepare the perfect preach this week, I am not joking. And it's been really quite exciting. Terrifying, but exciting. So... A friend of mine, we were praying with one another yesterday over the phone, as you do. Um, again, another person that um, I would really encourage you to grab hold of any time he comes around. A good friend of ours, which is Martin Shop, which is John's dad. And he was encouraging me yesterday. I, I was praying for them, his, him and his wife, and he was praying for us. And he just encouraged me and he said, you know, we often look for a prepared message, but the Lord looks for a prepared messenger. And he finds one in and he was encouraging me at that time. But I, want to, I just want to turn that out to you. You may not feel you have a prepared message, but he's looking for prepared messengers, and you are all of those. You are all of those. So I was a very grateful recipient, and I want you to hear that. You are a prepared messenger of what you're learning and seeing and experiencing out of your relationship as a son or a daughter of Jesus. So... As I said, this is where it all starts and ends for me in my relationship. And um, when Father Jesus and Holy Spirit are present, and when we're eyeball to eyeball, I find that I'm really free to be fully me, fully who I meant, I'm meant to be, not who I think I should be, and not who society's told me I should be. And, uh, and I always feel, I love this phrase about eyes. Eyes really are the window of the soul, are they not? The words can come out the mouth, but the eyes give it away. And the spirit that's in you discerns. So I love looking into Father's eyes. I love looking into Jesus' eyes. And I just, I just love it. And when I'm there, I find I'm completely undone. I can, my, my husband tells me my, the inside of my head is like a permanent hum. It's noisy in my head. And the only thing that really stops it is when Father God's eyeballing me. Because everything else goes. So I just want to encourage you. It's a really good habit to develop. So what do I see when I look into his eyes? I see that he absolutely knows me without a single word being spoken from my part. He absolutely knows me. And he unconditionally accepts me. And he unconditionally loves me. And he believes in me. And he likes me. And he's got patience with me. And his grace towards me is enough for me. 
He understands me even when I'm wrong, which is just so helpful. And he knows what I need, and he knows how I tick, and he talks my language, and I never need to hide from his gaze, ever, regardless of where I am and how I am and how well I'm doing and how not well I'm doing, it seems. I just want to encourage you to just keep getting into this place of looking into his eyes and getting things into perspective. It's a little bit like standing underneath a powerful waterfall that never stops flowing. I started to research waterfalls, and I found out that was a thesis, so just take it for granted. You know, stand under a really big waterfall, whichever one you care to mention. That's what it's like standing underneath the gaze of Father God and Jesus and Holy Spirit. Um, and it's from that relationship and that receiving, that place, that everything flows and comes to life. It's water of life. That's where it comes from. So my relationship, my close connection with him is where my needs are met and from, from where I function, the way he put me together, the components he's put in, the gifting, the anointing, it's under that he- heavenly flow into me that I function and stops me having to be like somebody else and stops me having to have what seems to be held up as the latest and greatest. But when it's coming from heaven to earth, it breathes life into what he made me to be, which is a creation and expression of heaven. And that's you. It's every single one of you. Um, So I just really want to really encourage you today that this is you. So I'm also discovering that from my relationship, there comes this great freedom, but there also comes a great responsibility. And I'm faced with choices every day about what I'm going to do with that stuff that's coming out of that connection and what I do and the choices that I'm going to make with what's flowing in and out of my heart. Do I use it or do I lose it? Do I let the river run or do I let it become stagnant? So if it runs, um, it's flowing in and it's flowing out. But do I store it up and just become stagnant? And if you stand underneath the waterfall and say you were drinking the water, and just give you a visual, I mean, really, drink, 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 what's going to happen? You're either going to explode or the water becomes stagnant because it's not going anywhere. If you find old reservoirs where there has been an inflow and that inflow stops, you should stink that smell. It's not pretty, so don't do that. So um, when you're part of a family, yeah, what... I suppose, what is going on for me in my connection, in my relationship, directly affects what I'm working out in my day-to-day life. I sometimes try to hide it, because sometimes it's not very pretty. But hiding it doesn't work. Because what I'm experiencing affects who is beside me in my family. Who is it that you're doing life with? This is a family. Some of you are family, some of you are visitors, and you're all, as Glasgow says, you're all really welcome. But how I am and how I'm doing is going to affect whoever is in my family and who's ever close to me. Um, You know that at home, don't you? You can wake up and be having a really grotty bad day or be discouraged and da 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 And whoever's closest to you gets the full effect of how it really is. So I want you to turn into your Bibles, please, um, however they look these days, um, at two scriptures. One is John 13, 34 and 35, and the other one is Matthew 28. And... um, John 13 says, um, it talks about a new commandment that Jesus gives. He says, a new, a new commandment I give to you, that you will love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By all this, 
all men will know you, my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now, love one another occurs 19 times in the New Testament. Just told you that for free, really. Not that it's any relevance, but it happens over and over again, so it must be important. And um, I, I love my Bible, my traditional, good old, trusty Bible, but I always love it when new translations come out, and I want to read something to you, if you would stick with me for a minute. Um, this is um, the Passion Translation, and it, um, I've not had it very long, but I'm really enjoying it, and I just thought I would read these passages to you from that translation. So I don't know if you want to just close your eyes and listen to me talk. You can do that. I won't mind. I might shout if I think you're snoring. Um, let's go. John 13. Jesus knew that the night before Passover would be his last night on the earth before leaving this world to return to the Father's side. All throughout his time with his disciples, Jesus had demonstrated a deep and tender love for them. And now he longed to show them the full measure of his love. Before their evening meal had begun, the accuser had already planted betrayal into the heart of Judas, the locksmith, the son of Simon. Now Jesus was fully aware that the father had placed all things under his control, for he had come from God and was about to go back to be with him. So he got up from the meal and took off his outer robe and took a towel and wrapped it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' dirty feet, and he dried them with a towel. But when Jesus got to Simon Peter, he objected and said, I cannot let you wash my dirty feet. You are my Lord. And Jesus replied, you don't understand yet the meaning of what I'm doing, but soon it will be very clear to you. Peter looked at Jesus and said, you will never wash my dirty feet, never. Jesus said, but Peter, if you don't allow me to wash your feet, then you will not be able to share life with me. So Peter said, Lord, in that case, don't just wash my feet, wash my hands and my head too. I just want to stop there for a minute and just suggest to you that this little transaction between Peter and Jesus is a lesson in learning and growing intimacy. It's a conversation moving on, Jesus said to him, to Peter, you are already clean. You've been washed completely and you just need your feet to be cleansed. But that can't be said of all of you, for Jesus knew which one was about to betray him. And that's why he told them not all of them were clean. After washing their feet, he put his robe on, returned to his place at the table and said, do you understand what I just did? You've called me your teacher and Lord and you're right, for that is who I am. So if I'm your teacher and Lord and have just washed your dirty feet, then you should follow the example I have set for you and wash one another's dirty feet. Now do for each other what I have just done for you. I speak to you now timeless truth. A servant is not superior to his master. An apostle is never greater than the one who sent him. Put into practice what I've done for you and you will experience a life enriched with untold blessings." Then goes on to hear about Judas's betrayal. And at the end, at the end, after Judas left the room, Jesus said, The time has come for the glory of God to surround the Son of Man 
And God will be greatly glorified through what happens to me. Very soon, God will unveil the glory of the Son of Man. My dear friends, I only have a brief time left to be with you, and then you will search and long for me, but I tell you what I told the Jewish leaders. You will not be able to come where I am. So I give you now a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you, my true followers. I just wanted to do that just because it's fresh. So Jesus here is modeling the how-tos. This is the loving like Jesus that Heidi Baker refers to. What does it look like? It looks like something. As Teresa beautifully put this morning, you know, tipping up at 11, 10.30 on a Sunday morning to worship together, it really isn't the tip of the iceberg even. It's wonderful, but it's, it's just the very tip of a very huge iceberg. It's a bit like the icing on a cake that's already been created by those who are learning to love and pouring out and living life together. They're investing and sacrificing and loving and serving one another. And we're all invited to that party. Loving one another requires developing this relationship. And relationships are grown. They're not instantaneous. Relationships require investment. And relationships that feed a consumer society will be that. They'll be consumed. And when you've eaten them all up, they'll be gone. Consumed. Gone. Um, And this is what I mean by moving away from that consumer mentality to an investor. Being an investor... You are treasure, knowing your identity and investing that powerfully one to another and to those that are surrounded around you. So loving one another really does require powerful choices that often I'm finding require sacrificial doings and beings, sacrifice. Sometimes I love being mean, sometimes it's a little bit uncomfortable because I don't look like Andy Merrick. I don't know if you've noticed. And I don't look like Jan McFarlane. You might notice that too. And I don't look look like anybody else, in fact. So that's all of you too. So in order for your healthy relationships to grow, you need to grow trust. That trust has to be established at the foundation. And that isn't done easily. It's not done by accident. For us, as a leadership team, we have laughed together. We've cried together. There have been road crashes together. But it starts and it ends out of looking one to the other and saying, I won't quit. I'm in. And that costs, actually. Um, And that's just, it's worth taking that risk. I could go off on a rabbit trail here, but I'm not going to. So I want to look as well at the Great Commission, Matthew 28. I'm just going to read it from the message again, just because it's slightly different, but please do go and look these two passages up. Meanwhile, the 11 disciples, so this is after Jesus has been crucified and after he's been raised from the dead and he's appearing to them. They've seen it all. They know him. They've enjoyed his friendship. They've seen what he's been doing and they're kind of getting it. And I mean, how more glorious can it be if you saw someone raised from the dead? You know, if you saw someone dead and they walked in and they were alive, I mean, and then this is said. Meanwhile, The eleven disciples were on their way to Galilee, headed for the mountain Jesus had set up for their reunion. The moment they saw him, they worshipped him. Wait for it. Some, though, held back. Not sure about worship, 
about risking themselves totally. Come on. There's hope for me. There is hope for me. That's all I'm saying. You've just seen all these amazing things. He turns up, and I'm still doubting. Come on. Anyway, but Jesus, I love this too, Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, in this way of life, in this way of loving, in this way of life, in these relationships, in this way of life, in this way of life of receiving, in this way of having access to everything in heaven, in this way of life. Sorry, I get distracted, but just make sure you get it. In this way of life, marking them by the baptism in the threefold name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then instruct them in the practice, the practice of all I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this. Oh, yippee. Day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. He's with you. He's with all of you. He's with you when you're sleeping. He's with you when you're going out, when you're coming in, when you're at work, and when you're with your cantankerous people, and when you're in situations that you're really uncomfortable with. And he's with you when you don't know what to say and you don't know what to do. The love of Jesus is completely undeterred, is it not? You can never, ever, ever outlove the love supply of Jesus, ever. Not ever. When you think you've loved it out, guess what? It's coming straight back at you. You look up, oh, here we go again, and out it comes. And that's how it goes. So let me tell you about what's been happening to me this week. I went to a Paisley drop-in, which is run by another father figure in this house who is a father to a community that struggles with addictions, abuse. I can't begin to tell you the horrific things that these people face. And it's an environment that a lot of people are very uncomfortable in. I'm like a pig in muck, to use the expression. I love it. Um, So to me, it's like I've been let out for the day when I can go there. And that's where I went on Thursday. And I just want want to give you examples of what this looks like when you're not like some of the people you've heard talking about these types of things. Okay, so this is coming out of a me package. Going to the drop-in. One, I do feel at home, but that's okay. Um, And I met many people, and the idea is they come in, they play pool, they have a chat, there's people who care about them, love them, and they can be there. Then they have lunch, and while their food is stopping their mouth, someone is invited to stand up and talk in what might be a little bit of silence. Um, It often isn't, because they often talk back at you. And uh, that person on Thursday was me. But I met lots of people. And the reason that Morris invites me um, is because I love to... This is what pastoral gifting looks like. It's not fixing. But I love to bring people as quickly as possible into the presence of God and get their connection together because then I can go great that's good job done learn from the master and I go on to do the next thing and this is what I do at the drop-in and so these people you can imagine so testimony time this is the testimony slot okay so lady one it's very obvious this lady has got the hugest most horrible tumor hanging out of her neck And I can see the scar from the other side where this tumour has been taken out of this thing. And what is activated in me is the heart of the Father. I'm not going, ooh, goody, somebody to pray for. That isn't what motivates me. 
although those two things are connected, because anybody you hear saying that, they just want to reassure you. They're not just going, oh, goody, there's somebody to pray for. They are following Jesus' example. They are moved by compassion. What happened to me this day was like I saw this woman and thought, what can I do? And I thought, I just heard Holy Spirit say, ask her if you can hold a face. And so I just held a face. It felt horrible. It broke my heart. But I used the authority and the identity of the access of heaven. And to use another quote that I heard recently, which I just loved, I served eviction notice. <laughs> Jessica Alhindi, just for the record. I issued conviction, eviction orders on this tumor and just prayed and released heaven and the love of the Father. I loved her well. I loved her in the only way I knew, which was reaching into heaven and releasing it. So we did that, and um, what else could I do? So that was Lady One, and she was really moved. She was really touched, and you know, she says, you know, she's really trusting that that thing is going to go down. And um, we just pray with it, do we not? That we see that thing. Holy Spirit, go after and finish that job that you started. So Lady Two, as I was sharing some of my story, um, I could see Holy Spirit all over her. And that looked like tears. Not big tears, not sobbing, just, you know, a glance would not have seen it. But Holy Spirit allowed me to see this girl. And so she came over, she came over and sat, and we sat, and... uh, she said she'd had this really very traumatized childhood, very badly sexually abused, abusive family life, and she'd grown up not too surprisingly. She was riddled, crippled with fear. Hardly surprising. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being not all right. Jesus is not faced with not being all right. And, um, and I just asked her and said, have you ever met Jesus? She said, no. Would you like to? Yes. Do you want to close your eyes? So she closed her eyes. And I said, why don't you ask Jesus just to come and stand where you can see him or be aware of him? And I could see visibly. She's like, I said, can you see him? She said, yes, I can. And we started to go through this conversation. I haven't got enough time to tell you all the ins and outs. But I just led her in this conversation, and she heard him, and she felt him, and she knows. And she moved off. She experienced Jesus. And she said to another guy, she said, you have to try this. Come on, you, just go and sit down over there with her. You have to try this. So it turned out to be a husband. I didn't know that at the time. He came and sat down and he was breaking his heart because his aunt was having a kidney removed that day. And this aunt was obviously a very significant figure in his life. Again, very troubled, sad life. And he was obviously just brokenhearted and very afraid. No answers and overwhelmed by the feelings. And I said, "Um, have you ever met Jesus? Would you like to experience Jesus? Guess what we did? (laughs) Would you like to? Yeah, I would. Okay, well, why don't you just close your eyes and why don't you ask Jesus if he would just come and be near you? So he did. Guess what happened? I can see him. Is there anything you want to ask him? Yeah, I want to ask him if he can look after my aunt. Well, do you want to ask him then? Yes, I asked him. And then the conversation went on and on and on. And there are these two who are absolutely like, wow, I've heard about Jesus. I've heard, I've never seen him like that. I've never felt him like that before. And 
So those two were packed off home, and they were going to try it out later with each other, and they're going to tell the daddy in that environment how they get on next week. So you can imagine how Morris is feeling. He's absolutely, he pours his life and soul day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. They were in tears on Thursday because he's going on a two-week annual vacation, which he desperately needs. And it's not that they're dependent on him, but they will feel his absence of what he's releasing in the atmosphere. He releases the Father's love in that environment, giving hope to the hopeless and praying faithfully, unendingly, for these broken people who need an experience of the Father. So this is what it looks like. Anyway, this is, this is what Andy's waiting for. This one, right? So this is, this is, it's not the only thing, but this story, right, is Anne. Great. So this is really amazing. So having done all of that, there is another girl who I know because I've seen her every time I've been there. I've not been for a while. And I saw her and she's looking different in a good way. It's like, wow, she's really doing well. It's amazing. And so these two or three people that we've prayed with and have experienced Jesus, they're bobbing about. I said, how are you doing? You're looking really good. She said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you what happened after last time you came. So again, last time she came, she had again these very visible lumps and horrible things that were all over her. Um, And she was currently at that stage, one bereaved very recently because her partner had died from sadly a drug overdose and her mother was being, um, it was difficult. So she was heartbroken and broken, and she was in the middle of investigations at the hospital for these lumps. But the last time I went, I'd loved as well as I could, and I prayed for her, and we just pr- we'd prayed, an eviction notice, on the lump. She said, you never guess what? Got back to the hospital, and I couldn't find anything. And the doctor... <laughs> And the doctor said, the doctor said, don't understand. I think we misdiagnosed you. So that's, those are the people. And then there's the volunteers in this place. And I had um, John Luke with me on Thursday, and he was chatting away to one of the volunteers. And so this is, I'm giving you a second-hand account of this conversation that John Luke reported to me, and I know the volunteer. And John Luke was asking, so why are you here? Why do you volunteer? Um, And he said to him that a number of years ago, I was overweight, five years, in a wheelchair, with a a diagnosis that you can ask John Luke about. But I know when I heard it, I I haven't had a chance to check my details, but I knew and I recognized it. I recognized it with my medical brain as a condition that really is pretty hopeless. And he said, five years ago, this was me, and I went along, take along, I don't know, to a healing meeting where I was healed and I got, he received, I got my life back. And you would never have known, to look at him now, he's the fittest lop you've ever seen. And, you know, in asking, why are you here? He said, I received this five years ago. What else can I do? What else can I do? And he comes week after week. And then he also was... This volunteer, I had a chat much later, and he said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm away now with Scott, um, guy there. And he said, oh, yeah, this young lad in his mid-20s, I would say, has been staying with my wife and I. Um, 
this goes against most of our experience, just putting it out there. I really felt God told me that I had to invite him in. And he's been living with us for a number of weeks. It's quite a big number of weeks, actually. Something like 26, I think, to get him stabilized. And he's going to move on to a structured rehab place at the end of August. I took him on his first holiday to Pitt and Weem. I'm just telling you that. He's never been on a holiday in his life. But I heard that story and I thought, you know what? There's another demonstration. You have to know that the Holy Spirit's telling you to do that stuff. You do not try this one at home without this. Just wisdom for you there. But here was a man who had received much, who had his connection with Father God, who received much, who acted on what he heard when he lent in, who drew on the provision from heaven as he walked it out, who was transforming a life on earth. And this young man is getting his life back. And, you know, to look at the guy that he was pointing to, it would have been difficult to know that he wasn't a volunteer, actually, because he's so much moved on. This is what it looks like, folks. This is what it looks like. So I could go on with endless stories, but I just want to end it there that you are all precious, you are all born in expression, and it begins and ends in your relationship, first of all with Father God, and in your relationships that you build one, one with another. And the glory, heaven on earth, is going to come demonstrated as we press in. Press in together, intentionally build relationship together to get closer than the polite. As I say, it's lovely having everyone here on a Sunday morning, but that's not where the true church is. That's, this is it's this tiny expression. It's what you were put on the planet for. So I just want to invite Holy Spirit just to come and, and meet with each of you so that you can just receive afresh from him to go and be marvelous you, building intentionally. So do you want to stand to your feet perhaps? Or sit, whatever you like. But it's a free environment. Father, I thank you that you have never been anything except a faithful dad to me. And that's true for many of us, that you are a faithful dad with the provision that we dream and long for. Father, we just want to invite you closer. We want to go deeper with you. We just want to lay before you the things where we've agreed wrongly with things that have been put on us or things that we've even put on ourselves. And Father, we just want to say sorry for even beginning to partner with some of those things. But we just invite you afresh to take us deeper and deeper with you. Would you stand where we can see you more clearly? Would you draw closer? I invite you to eyeball me more often. And would you breathe on me? Would you show me what it is that you're calling me to do every minute of every hour of every day of every week of every month and of every year? Father, I invite you just to breathe on me and lead me further that I can be a true manifestation of heaven on earth wherever I am. Father, our heart, our affection is completely towards you. We just invite you to have your way. Thank you, Father. Amen.